show. We have Anthony Fury on the line, journalist with Post Media. Always great having Anthony on the show. Uh, he has some issues with the fact that uh, not only do we now have a vaccine passport, or at least one coming in the not-too-distant future in uh, in Ontario, but even some talk about a lockdowns. And Anthony, as you know, we, uh, we were told that uh, the vaccine passport would help us avoid the lockdown. That was the pretext for bringing it in, or at least partly so. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, it's very frustrating. The vaccine passport conversation, it unfolded in, in I, I want to say, some very disingenuous ways. I was always surprised at how pollsters were able to claim what public support was for vaccine passports. But the truth is that a lot of the terms were not on the table in terms of how long is this going to be around for? I remember friends saying, oh, well, if we just have to do this for a few months to get over it, so be it. Well, is it for a few months? I put that question to the government and Doug Ford is saying, oh, it's a temporary measure, but there's no actual end date and it's going to be a paper thing for a month. And then they're investing in this digital system that'll come into place in the end of October. So clearly, I imagine they're thinking the digital thing will stick around for a while or else why are they investing in it? Is that what people think they're getting? Israel over uh, over there, they've now uh, told people who have two doses, no, you're not fully vaccinated. In fact, your passport has expired. you got to get a third dose into the mix. Now, Dr. Kieran Moore, he's been on record kind of saying, well, we're not sure about this third dose yet. But, I mean, it hasn't been taken off the table. One never knows what will happen in the months ahead. So the frustrating thing is is that we never had an honest conversation about this vaccine passport. I mean, heavens, Mark, we are actually one of the more vaccinated jurisdictions uh, in the Western world, and we should just embrace that and feel empowered by it rather than turn around and, and fearmonger about the fact that, yes, the vast majority of people in every single uh, location are going to be vaccinated. One or two people aren't. Why do we have to freak out as an entire society over that? Absolutely. Great points. Your audio is fading in and out a little bit. I don't know what you can do about that. But um, I have to ask you this. I mean, the the province is making sort of half-hearted commitments around uh, having this, as you mentioned, become a temporary measure. But they're also the same people who said they weren't going to do it in the first place. I mean, at what point do the lies start piling on lies and uh, we say, look, uh, you know, we, why should we believe anything you say right now? Interesting that you brought up uh, Israel because they're seeing quite a spike in the number of COVID cases over there, something like 11,000 just in the last few days, uh, which is a stunning number. Israel, of course, one of the most vaccinated uh, countries on the planet. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of consternation, a lot of people thinking, how much longer can I stay here? I can tell you that uh, even when you look at provinces in the Maritimes, uh, people out west, a lot of the real estate uh, agents are saying, yeah, we're, we're seeing an awful lot of Ontario plates out here. I mean, it's hard to uh, to look at your future, to look at your kids' faces and go, is this the, the kind of province I want you growing up in, where you need QR codes and apps on your phone, restrictions uh, in terms of where you can go and when you can go? Um, it's, a scary, it's a scary thing. And then you also have to ask yourself, well, just because other provinces haven't done it yet, Quebec, of course, is the main uh, exception to that. Well, they were first uh, out of the mark to do it. Um, you know, do the other provinces come on side eventually too? You know, so is this eventually a national thing, regardless of of how it's being rolled out? I mean, isn't it possible that there is no place to run in terms of Canada after a while? 
you know, that's a, it's really sad to think that could be the case, Mark, and it, it certainly could indeed be the case. I will say what one of the big surprises is that the one NDP government uh, in Canada, British Columbia, governed by John Horgan, uh, they've certainly taught Doug Ford a lesson or two in, in what it means to be less government intrusive on people's lives, particularly when it comes to kids. And, and you're so right to bring up the kids, Mark, because a lot of what's going on here is is adults really extrapolating, projecting their anxieties onto kids in a way that is incredibly unfair, incredibly punishing to our youth. And I think Ontarians would be surprised to know because we're, we've been encouraged to be a shockingly ignorant group of people in terms of not being aware of what's happening at our borders in terms of provinces and states adjacent to us, Michigan, New York, and so forth, of course, in BC and British Columbia, they pretty much never closed the schools, maybe for like a couple weeks back in the first wave. They never closed the schools. Uh, small children have never worn masks in schools. I understand BC's reimposed a mask mandate, but they, they had uh, several months where there were just no COVID restrictions at all. And I think Ontario should have done that. We should have had a summer without masks because it would have been psychologically good for people to understand you can do this and the sky doesn't fall because masks, they've really become a symbol for a lot of people. And I feel like once you can step away from, from always wearing a mask every time, this visual cue that there's a medical crisis that's imminent, it's happening everywhere I go when, you know, that's not the case at every location, I, I think it's a, very helpful. I mean, uh, people I know who have traveled to BC or various US states, they come back and they, whatever their perspectives were before, they're like, guys, guys, you, you, you'll never believe it. People are living totally different. It was so relaxing. Oh, we went to this place, we went to that place. We had so much fun. The kids were having a blast and so forth and then they come back to Ontario and their spirits are zapped again, but they come back as if they've gone over to, you know, El Dorado or, you know, whatever it is, some sort of a mythical place, and they want to come back to tell the tale. So Ontarians need to know there is a better way, and it's being done in many jurisdictions, Mark. And when it comes to putting our kids first, I, I mean, look, if Doug Ford was uh, the captain of the Titanic, he would have said children last. <laughs> um, we need to completely reverse that attitude right now and, and see the leadership that's going on in other places that are doing just that. Anthony Fury joining us, journalist, uh, writer with the Sun Papers, Post Media, and, and you can check out Anthony's latest story, Fury, Ford calls Vax passports temporary but offers no end in date. And it, it's interesting as you go into the body of the story and you talk about uh, the level of support out there for of Axe Pass, we are told that people want it. I don't believe it. And it's interesting, you write, if I can quote from your story, it's perplexing that pollsters could claim to gauge public support for a domestic vaccine passport when in truth, the parameters of what the passport would look like had never been fully divulged. Maybe people don't really understand what it is. They have this vague idea of what a passport might do, you know, keep them safe, but they don't really understand what it will entail in terms of their own personal freedoms, the things they're going to have to go through, and whether or not uh, it's going to go down a, a, you know, a more draconian road in the future. Because this is always the fear, isn't it? I mean, once governments have power, they're very reticent about relinquishing that power. And so the more statism we introduce into this province of ours, it's hard to see that they're simply just going to give it up unless people demand that they give it up. What's your sense of the pushback in the days ahead from Ontarians? Are they going to just kind of accept this or are they going to say, you know what, we don't think it's the right thing to do? Well, I don't know, Mark. I mean, I, I used to think that there would be different breaking points that people would say no to and that would make a, a little mental switch happen for them. I have generally been wrong about all of that. And it really upsets me. And, and quite frankly, you know, it, it disturbs me that so many 
my fellow Ontarians have been 100% okay with everything that's been happening. They've even been begging for more. So I would like to think that, for example, you got the vaccine passports now. They're almost here to stay, despite Doug Ford calling them temporary. And then a lot of people approved the vaccine passports, said they were okay with them, business leaders, chambers of commerce, and so forth, because they said this is the magic bullet solution that will ensure we do not have another lockdown. And what happened, Mark? Three hours after Doug Ford announced there was a vaccine passport, not not three days, not three weeks, three hours later, Ontario's science table releases their new projections, and included in that, they float the possibility of a fall lockdown. They only waited three hours to turn around and say, you know what, folks, it was a giant bait and switch. We can have a vaccine passport, and we can still have a lockdown. One does not rule out the other. So to your original question, are people going to stand up and say enough is enough, no more? I don't know, because a whole lot of people, and it surprises me, the, the political lines and the, you know, the numbers, the demographics on who supports and who doesn't and so forth, it's hard to say. I would like to think people would be extremely frustrated with that, but there's a lot of people who might just ask for more. I can't imagine it. I mean, I've heard, I've heard stories like asking for more. It's like, yeah, hit me again. Uh, yeah. It's bizarre. I mean, we're in businesses, the idea that this is going to be good for business, I think the opposite is true, that if businesses, you know, restaurants and so forth, uh, they want to continue, uh, you know, rebounding from the lockdowns that we saw earlier, then they're going to want as many people coming as freely uh, as possible. I mean, I, that to me makes right. sense. The last thing you want to do is restrict your clientele and say, well, you know, I have to see this and I have to see that. You know, show, show, you know that, that, and that's the French found that, you know, many of the cafes, as you probably know, they had the massive amounts of, of protests over there to the point where a good number of the cafes and so forth just said, well, look, we're not going to uh, enforce this. You know, you can come in, you can enjoy your latte or whatever you want, your croissant, and we're not going to ask you whether you've been vaxxed or not. I mean, this is a matter of privacy anyway, isn't it? I mean, who the hell gives anybody the right to, to ask whether or not you've had this procedure? I mean, it, Absolutely. It, it's, it's very frustrating, and I, I think it's very ill-mannered, quite frankly, to ask someone uh, those sorts of questions. I mean, even the, the rules that we have in place, the whole... Uh, registering for the contact tracing at a patio and so forth. I mean, I really don't care for that. And, and you know, I got to tell you, when I've been asked uh, every time, they say, oh, just scan your phone here because the more chain outlets, they have the, the QR code scanning. I don't want to do that. And, and and there is another option. So I always say to them, I think people don't know this option exists. I say, just write it down. You know, I don't want to do the phone thing. Just write it down. And they have you write down. One place I was at, I'm not trying to say I'm a dishonest or evasive person because I appreciate these establishments. This is the law they have to follow. They said, okay, fine. We're going to leave a, a paper and a pencil here for you where you have to write your name and take off a question and write your phone number and so forth. And they just left at the table for me. And then I got into the meal and the conversation and I laughed and I realized, oh, I never filled in the form. Um, and I was not trying to be a scofflaw. But, but it's interesting that the establishment, they didn't really badger me about it. They weren't too stressed about it. Uh, it just slipped my mind, you know, and wasn't trying to cause any trouble and so forth. And it's funny, like, how much actual enforcement is going on of the current rules. Because to your point, they, nobody wants to get, in a, get hostile with a clientele, with, with anybody who's there as a customer. I mean, you, you, you're in a tip-based line of work as a waiter. You don't want to have tension with the person there. And how much of this is going to unfold with the vaccine passport as well in terms of establishments who are like, look, if the guy's volunteering it, fine. But, you know, I don't want to push it. So it'll be interesting to see all this this idea that this is the silver bullet solution. I wonder, is it actually even going to be properly done? Is it going to be enforced? And, and is it actually going to stop the spread of this virus? I mean, that part I doubt very much. Yeah, Absolutely. 
And it is interesting how the level of rhetoric has changed from, uh, we both remember when they were saying, oh, no, we, we can't do this. It's going to split society. We don't want to divide people. We don't want to create a, a vaccine apartheid scenario where you have one group over there and another group over there, essentially creating uh, second-class citizens, Anthony, where, you know, we, we've got to treat you people who've been vaccinated one way. You get this, but those people over there, they don't get that, you know. And so we have a prime minister now campaigning, essentially. Uh, his campaign has come down to slicing and dicing the electorate, saying the good Canadians are going to do what they're told. Those people over there, the protesters, uh, the so-called anti-vaxxers, even though they stand for all sorts of things, protesters do, uh, they're those people, they're bad. So saying that well, one group of taxpayers is fine, another group is bad, and they need to be punished and alienated and ostracized. This is not good for Canada. I mean, it's just on the face of it. This is terrible for this country. But, but, I mean, it was really easy to get to that point because we were also at the point where you have to judge your neighbor, you have to judge your family, you judge your friends. Oh, I can't believe, you know, you went to this location. That's unsafe. You had someone over. You had a friend over in your house for lunch. I mean, this was back a few months ago when, you know, maybe you weren't supposed to do that. That is, I can't believe you did that. That is unsafe. And then we've also seen those videos. They were, they, they went viral of uh, police going in and, and separating because, you know, someone had their uncle over for dinner. So the cops basically got in a brawl with people in their home because of that. Somebody called the cops on that. A neighbor decided, I'm going to call the police on this person. Now, thankfully, I don't think we've seen a lot of that happening, um, but we have normalized the idea that you have to be at each other's throats, and it's okay to be very hostile uh, to people for these very minor you know, indiscretions and so forth. You know, the mask, one guy in the Loblaws isn't wearing a mask. I don't know why, because there's some medical condition. He forgot it. He's just refusing. I don't know. One guy's not wearing it. Who cares but no that's not it you have to surround the guy you have to put up your iphone and you have to call names you have to call the cops and when the cops come and we've seen these videos uh streamed uh mark the cops get into fisticuffs uh with the person they they, they take him away rather than write him you know a ten dollar fine or whatever like one would for a parking indiscretion we have to treat these things as if they're the biggest most apocalyptic gestures ever uh, when they're not. And that is the, the social tension and division. And even if you're someone who supports all of these rules, and even if you're someone who follows all these rules, like most of us do, it is an incredibly stressful and sad world to live in. It is. And it's fostering divisions in society because I can see a kind of maliciousness developing amongst people and a suspiciousness. Yeah, they don't, they look at you differently or maybe they don't want to yes. talk to you. And, and it's, yes. uh, and you know, that's a product of the mask wearing, I think, and we don't see each other's face. I mean, that's how yeah. we connect with each other as people, right? We see each other's face and we can gauge. That's part of a huge part of the communication process, as you know, is more than just verbal. It's the look on the other. So much of it is nonverbal. It's the look on a person's face, you know, to see, to try and gauge where they're at. And that's gone. And so when you're ostracizing people from one another, using the masks and now dividing them further, as to whether they're vaxxed or unvaxxed or where they are with the lockdowns and all this stuff. It just has had this impact that uh, life itself is becoming less and less fun and enjoyable. And in the midst of all this, you've got small kids. What kind of a world are they growing up in? Honestly, it is really scary stuff. Anyway, scary stuff indeed, Mark. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Anthony. Really appreciate that. 